Okay, there we go. Let's see if we can get a second try. We'll get this thing going. Tax the rich, feed the poor, tell there are no rich no more. Then we get that little intro out of the way and say good morning to everybody here online and on the Jitsi board. And it is the Wednesday edition, 4th of January. And that get that date stamp right, 4th of January. Roger Sales, your host. Of course, we call our little get-together here the Radio Ranch. And uh, we are simulcasting on Eurofolk Radio Network, their stream, and on Paul's radio.globalvoiceradio.net. I think that's right. Uh, so, a beautiful morning in Ecuador after we've had a couple of pretty damn chilly days. Very uncharacteristic, but uh, looks like we might be back to some semblance of normal here. we got a, night, a lot of nice folks on the board having a little conversation right before the program uh, kicked off here. And if I can get my board up, we'll get... Everything copacetic. Uh, we've got new person. Sean is on with us. New person. Sean, is this the first time you've been with us? Yes. Okay. Well, welcome. Thank you. And uh, how'd you find us? Uh, actually, I started finding bad stuff on David Strait, which led me to the California enslaved uh, people, Doug and Linka. And someone had linked one of your videos there. Okay. Was it the Sarah Westall video? Uh, no. You were speaking about why we should not be using the state national status, I think, to a couple of other gentlemen. Okay. Well, I've done a number of interviews. Of course, we've been doing this show for 12 years. Uh, and uh, the the one that seems to be floating around out there is the Sarah Westall one that people respond to. And it amazes me because I thought that was one of the worst interviews I've done. Because Sarah, right before the bless her heart, now I'm not dissing Sarah here, right before the uh, the thing commenced, and she said something about conversation. I said, well, I like conversational interviews, which I do. Uh, but she took me real literally <laughs> and wanted to interrupt me every 10 seconds. And it's hard to get this information across, especially for the first time to people when you can't have it flow and laid out and see. And so that surprises me that uh, that one has gotten so much response. By the way, I've got another interview tomorrow evening uh, on a podcast guy named Andrew. I'm not sure where he plays it or anything else. But anyway, we're going to do that. I'll announce it. Uh, for you folks and uh so uh, anyway that's coming up um, the uh shauna so you're in sean informed us she, that she's in west virginia and that she does have shoes and teeth so okay we're well we're welcoming you are there and i'm sure there's people up there that don't so i'm not trying to be light on that it's a bad situation all over our country obviously um, so Shauna, you're a refugee from David Strait and you wrote me an email. I just answered it right before we went on the show and here you are on the program today. Um, so you want to give the audience some background? Um, yes, I am actually a federal government employee and David had told me 
that even though I work for the federal government, I was still, it was still a voluntary uh, contribution to the IRS. He said up until the 14th Amendment, yes, federal employees were the only ones that had to pay. But since the 14th Amendment, citizen, that I still would be considered, you know, it would be voluntary. Well, it is And I'm voluntary. coming to find out that not true. Well, That's not true. It's not totally true. Okay. To my understanding, let me preface it with that caveat. And I think I can give you an example up to the 14th Amendment. Well, the um, the income tax is voluntary, okay? And we can show you that in a number of ways, even though they lead you to believe it's mandatory, it's not. Um, and uh, the 14th Amendment, all that did was put everybody into the category of the IRS's jurisdictional statement. And this... This is some probably uh, stuff you've not seen or heard, okay? Right. We rely on uh, the Code of Federal Regulations. 26 CFR is the income tax code, okay? Correct. If you open the first cover of that, uh, uh, the the cover, open it right there on the front page on the top right is their jurisdictional statement, okay? And I'm going to quote it to you, and it says, an income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States or residents, and to the extent of 871B and 877B, all non-resident alien individuals. Okay. Now, the way I prefer to approach this with people is to say, Shauna, let's see if we can get some agreement here, okay? Some common ground, if you will. There's only two political statuses. You're either free or you're a slave. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Okay. So now let's take that agreement and plug it into what I just read you. And so we know which ones the slaves are, citizens of the United States and residents. And then that leaves non-resident alien a tricky new label as the national or old state citizen because there's only two statuses. Okay. Um, now, the problem you've got is that you work for the federal government. There's also a old saying, if you receive the benefit, you owe the duty. Have you ever heard that before? Yes. Okay. kind of hard to say that I don't recognize them or, or um, participate with them when they're paying me every two weeks. Well, correct. And you volunteered for the job, didn't you? Right. Okay. Now, this goes back. This is if you receive the benefit, you, you owe the duty goes back to what we discussed in depth earlier in the last couple of days, this base formula of the term jurisdiction. Okay. It's a very important word legally, and it comes from the feudal era. And it comes from the feudal era when uh, people were fleeing the downfall of Rome up into the continent of Europe and found the Roman landowners were either generals or politicians and the Goths and the Visigoths were invading Rome and tearing Rome apart, especially in the western side over towards Spain and in Spain. And so they would cut off the roads. And the people in the cities, they put the cities under siege. And so the people that could get out or that saw what was happening got out ahead of time, went inland, and they'd find the big landholders. they go, the, Va- the Goths and the Visigoths are here. We need some protection. And the guy goes, well, I need some protection too, And I, but to get the protection, I'm going to ask you to give me allegiance. 
Okay, and this is the beginning and the origin of the feudal system in Europe. And the formula that still is affected today comes from that era and that situation. And it's called protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection. So they'd run to the big landowner and go, we need some protection. He'd said, I I need some allegiance and we'll all band together and help each other. And that's the beginning of the feudal system. Okay, Uh, if you've ever seen a movie. Uh, of those days and you see the guy with his chest plate on you know and he's and he bops his chest and says yes my liege okay have you ever seen that in a movie Uh, absolutely well liege l-l-e-i-g-e is the key root word of allegiance half of that formula Mm -hmm. okay and so that's where jurisdiction comes from allegiance for protection protection for allegiance all right and that translates over into the simplified version i gave you if you receive the benefit you owe the duty yeah so you work for the federal government you volunteered for that job in my mind and to my knowledge i may be wrong but i don't think so you owe income tax okay yeah. Now, it goes back originally even before the 14th Amendment, whether you know this or not, but the very first income tax in the country was during the Civil War. Okay? Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. The first one was income tax levied by Lincoln, and back then they had the greenback. Okay? Those were basically United States-issued notes. Right now we have Federal Reserve notes because there's debt attached. When Lincoln put the greenbacks out, there was no debt attached. That's one of the reasons they killed him. And uh, uh, and, and and so you had to, if you're going to have that system work, you got to spend the cash into circulation, and then you've got to tax out the same amount you spent in. And that way you've got a circulating medium to take care of business and commerce, but there's no excess so that these monsters can go do all their speculative uh, 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 Las Vegas tile gambling. Okay, And so that's why the tax is imperative there because they were supposed, of course, the, the greenback wasn't managed well. It went rampant and became worthless. Okay, So they didn't tax out what they spent in. But the only people that were responsible for that first income tax were government employees. Yeah. And I think that's your precedent right there. Yeah. And I'm also wondering if I file my affidavit your simple which is wonderful is that going to be considered perjury because i've already got david lester straight's big huge affidavit on file no it wouldn't be considered perjury all you're doing is just filing another one it would it would as they used to say when i was with pitney blows it's what i call uh cancel and supersede so if you file a new affidavit it'll cancel and supersede that other one should I not. put that on my affidavit or my cover yeah, letter yeah, that it, I'm correcting? Know, yeah, it might not hurt. Okay, that I'm correcting a prior mistake. It was not my intention to well, deceive. No, don't or say, don't say it was a mistake or anything. Just say you're correcting a prior submission. Correct. Let me write that down. Correcting a prior submission. Great. Okay. All right. So I need a new passport, too. Well, again, I, it's hard for me to say because I don't know if David Strait's stuff works or not. I don't well, know. Well, I did my not... passport through the um, Copper Mountain because their website, ah, okay. Strait's website, directs you to Copper Mountain Moonshine. It does? 
Yeah, that's I filed my or I filed all my paperwork for my password from that website. <laughs> okay, well now to my knowledge, Copper Moonshine still stuff works. Now I don't know why. I still hadn't figured out why. <laughs> I'm just I don't go study other people's stuff. I concentrate on what we do here, you know. because uh, I know this is right. All right. Um, but we've had folks come on here. I got a friend up in North Carolina, a black guy named James that went through their, uh, uh, their approach and he drives on a passport card with a custom tag and has been stopped in two States and let go both times. So I, this is a gray area. I just don't know. Okay. But it can't hurt to put in one of our affidavits, which we know is correct and cancel and supersede those other ones. Okay. Now, if you do want to follow through and get another passport submission correct, correctly done that we know, you can just order a passport card. It's $30. Just do a DS-82 renewal and attach the new affidavit and send it in, and you'll get a passport card back, and we know it'll be right. So I'll leave that decision in your lap, okay? Okay. Shauna, are you with us? Did Shauna go away? I'm here. Oh, okay, can you there hear you. me? Now I hear you. Yeah. Okay. okay. So yeah, you can the just... passport agency went nuts on me when I I went to Detroit in person because I didn't want to mail it in and have it sent back, and so I made an appointment and went to Detroit in person, and they called Which... everybody, every supervisor, everybody, and their brother there saying. How are you saying you're not a citizen when I'm looking at your birth certificate? And I just kept saying, you know, please complete the application as I have submitted it to you. Then they kept saying, well, no, this application isn't going to work. We're going to renew your old passport that has expired. And well, I said, can... no, I want a new pass. It took forever, but I did get my passport. Holy smokes. That sounds like a horror story. Was this that 32-page booklet you were trying to attach to it, or does Copper Moonshine still have you attach something to it? He doesn't have you attach anything. And I actually oh called God. him from Detroit and oh said, God. you know, help. Okay, <laughs> and now he how? Said they're... That's half of me. See, here's, these guys don't understand what's going on. Okay. Now I'm not dissing him. I'm dissing David straight because we've got a bunch of questionable stuff that he's doing. Okay. Right. I don't, I don't know about this copper moonshine still guy. Okay. But I do know their approach doesn't go with ours at all. And their approach doesn't parallel what the system really is because in the instructions, it says warning. Big, bold letters. You know, you're a federal government employee. Have you ever heard oh, yeah. of a black box warning? Oh, yeah. You know, they're on generally dangerous pharmaceuticals, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it's got big warning letters. Now, the difference is theirs has a black box around it. This one, they don't have a black box, but they got the same approach. So it says in the instructions, warning, you can attach documentation, comma, including affidavits, comma. But you better not lie, or we're going to hit you with six or seven sections of the United States Code. There's your get-out-of-jail-free card right there. Because otherwise, this whole thing runs on a presumption of law. Okay, That's the technique that they're using here. It's called presumption of law. Did you ever hear David Strait mention that phrase? 
Yes. You did. Okay, well, good. He's got something correct, okay? And the presumption is the way they work. If you go into Blacks and look at presumption of law, it'll say a presumption of law based upon another fact. So what they do is they go in and fraudulently fabricate an incident or fact, and then they pull a presumption off of it. Okay, and then everything runs forward on that presumption unless you confront and correct it. We had a show Saturday on the UCC section dealing with this presumption of law and dealing with judges about it. Okay, so this is the technique they're using. The presumption is now you're a citizen slave because of a fraudulent bankruptcy, and they had this this uh, status set up after the Civil War, and they switched everybody over in mass after March the ninth of thirty three into this new status as sureties for a presumed bankruptcy that obviously is fraudulent. So everything they do is presumption, and you've got to rebut the presumption. That's what you're doing. That's why this works. But those guys don't know it. They don't understand this, I don't think. Okay, So uh, that's why you want to put, it as per the instructions, if you've got something to say, you want to attach either documentation or an affidavit, and that rebuts the presumption. If you don't do that, the presumption that you're a citizen of the United States that you've agreed to all your life, every time they've asked you, are you a citizen of the United States? Are you a resident? You said yes, didn't you? Right. And you signed something, didn't you? Yes. You see, that's the reason those two questions are in there is to for you to uh, uh, recognize, even though you don't know you're doing it, recognize the presumption of law in the, con- the situation and give them the consent of the governed. Yes, you can govern me in this presumed status. So even though it's fraud that they operate on, it's on me Well, to prove the fraud or well, say, no, I'm it, not part of that. It's for you to rebut the presumption. Okay. There's yes. another. Okay. Great, yeah. Yeah. That that's worded. But yeah, that makes sense. There's yeah. there's another another way to look at this too. Fraud isn't fraud until it's discovered. Now noodle on that for a little bit. Fraud isn't yeah. fraud until it's discovered. You discovered it. We see we're into a status we've been tricked into that's based on fraud. We alert them in the proper way that we're not that, and we expose their fraud at the same time, don't we? Gotcha. And yeah, that, is, that, that makes sense. You that's wanna, clicking. Yeah. So you want to see why they recognize this? Right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. You want to see why they can't come back on this? Is because if they do, they're now open fraudulent tyrants. And they gotcha. know what happens to tyrants throughout history. They know a lot better than we do. Okay. Gotcha. So does that make sense to you, Shauna? Yes. Thank you so well, that, much. That's yes. the way we approach things around here. And I think it's important for you and some of the other new students to know what we talk about here and the approach and all the things that I bring to the table is the result of over 100 years of legal research and historical research in three men's lives. I'm just the guy that gets to be the torchbearer, okay? Well, thank you so much. I truly appreciate having someone to actually answer questions and explain things and back them up. It's a nice change. Well, that's what we do around here. I mean, all I'm doing is presenting facts, really. 
This isn't about me, okay? It's about the facts. It's really about you. This yeah. show is not about me. It's about you and the other people that are looking for your freedom, okay? All I am here is a teacher, okay? I'm just a teacher and a guide. Uh, Brent, is that you trying to get in? Yeah, I have a quick question for Shauna. Uh, mm-hmm. You're working at the VA. Have you noticed a minefield of uh, of that the people are signing their rights away with? I, I'm a patient or victim at the VA in Vegas. Well, I'm not on the medical. I'm on compensation benefits side. Okay. I do the I do the grant of I do the grant of benefits. I don't do anything at the medical center. I, I may be able to answer that, Brent. Hey, Pat. I'm not sure what you're referring to, but I was I recently uh, became a uh, beneficiary of, of VA benefits, and one of the things they required here was a quote unquote, so to speak, a seminar that I went to as a new patient. And in there, they had a lady who was, she had all these documents that they wanted you to sign and give them permission to access and use information that you gave them. And there was, there was about 10 of us in there. Only myself and one of the guys says, no, we don't want to participate in that. And she did not question that. She said, okay, that's your choice. But everybody else signed all this paperwork that allowed them to take all this information and gave them a lot of liberties that I was not personally uh, comfortable with. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Uh, I signed up with them over 20 years ago, but the past couple of years, I've uh, you know used their medical service and everything, but uh, I didn't have to sign a mountain of paperwork. Well, that was twenty years ago, and I didn't have to sign it either. But they make it sound like, oh, this is for your benefit. And when I started looking at what they were doing yeah. with it, or the potential of what they could do with it, I wasn't very comfortable. Yeah, so, hey, let's be at your uh, your facility because here in Birmingham. I didn't have to do that. Do that. I was going to ask Pat, where'd you go? Where'd you go? Because I know where you are. Where'd you go? I, I went to a VA clinic uh, here in North Florida. Okay. But they have these. I, I don't know what. I forget what her title is. But but uh, she and she they they come across as very you know we're here to help you and and I got to I got to admit that uh, the people that I have. Uh, had contact with in the in the VA have been pretty pretty good and, and pretty efficient up to a point, but um, of course a lot of that goes back you know during Donald Trump's uh, right time in office they they fired eight thousand VA employees right facilitators they're called facilitators there you go we got rid Actually, of them. yeah that's that that's a good description we got rid of them facilitators. <laughs> That's what they are, and they're and they're using the diaprax to get people to do things in a group where everybody seems to think it's okay, but they're the ones that benefit ultimately. What's a diaprax? Is that a, a medication? 
No, it's a form of of the usage of language to facilitate change. Okay, well, like, saw, uh, like the Hegelian dialectic. Right, well, uh, they do that crap constantly. So, okay, if it's in that category, I can relate to it. Um, well, another word for it is devil speak. Right, yeah, Orwellian. Orwellian it's all stuff. about getting people to volunteer to do things. Right. It's a con. Right, it's a con. That's all it is. Okay, I agree with that. This is Mike from Birmingham. Uh, I gave him a uh, informed consent form and told him, I don't refuse treatment, but I choose what treatment I want. And I've never had a problem. Mike is, uh, for those of you, Sean, and the new folks, Mike's very assertive, okay, with his uh, with his freedom. And he kind of holds people's feet to the wall, don't you? I mean, Mike. Oh yeah, he's got a he's got a request into ATF to say and ask him how can I buy a silencer as a national, and they won't answer him. <laughs> uh, brilliant, Mike. So how do I how do I buy a silencer, and all I get is silence? That's right. All I get silence. Good, Pat. Uh, so, uh, anyway, Shauna, do we get you taken care of, sweetie? Do we have any more questions for you? Or you just, uh, I, I, I can promise you right now, you found a home, okay? You found a I'm home. Sure I'm sure I will have more questions as I continue unlearning and learning correctly. <laughs> that those were my pressing issues. So, thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Have you gone back and listened to some of my interviews? I have been, yes. Okay, well, do that and get those basics. Uh, and look at this conceptually first. Try and get the big pieces of the puzzle and under this the feudal system. You probably didn't know anything about the feudal system. Would that be a correct? Yeah. Okay. Well, no. I'm, I'm I'm assuming that you don't know anything about Babylonian merchant code either. Okay. No. And all these different things that are so critical here. So you have to get a grasp of those and then see how they interact and work together. The moving parts. And you'll have it. It's really simple. This is really simple, what they've done, okay? The you, the Jim Crow laws, which everybody remembers, okay? Well, they set up a system and tricked us all into being Jim Crow. I mean, that's exactly how complex this is. But now how they've done that is a horse of a different color. But if you get the concepts and get your arms around that first, you can go into the minutiae, and now you'll understand what they're doing and what they've done, and you can pick it out yourself. You can't do that working up the bottom up, trying to go through the minutiae to find the concepts and what's going on. That's why our community as a whole has been so unsuccessful over the 30 years I've been in it. Makes sense. Okay. So it's just here's the analogy I like to use. If you go buy a, a, a one of those fifteen piece puzzles for a child, and then you go buy him a fifteen hundred piece puzzle and put them down, which one do you think he's going to put together first? Yeah, exactly. Okay, well that's exactly the same thing here. Okay. Yeah, so, and I'm in the CFR all day long with my job, and oh, I, there's a lot of things I'm already familiar with that I can kind of make connections. Right. <laughs> 
Well, here's the here's the basic line. When they pulled this off in March ninth of thirty three, they switched everybody into these the slave system. That's why they took the gold and put out the paper money. Because you're the collateral for the paper money, and because they've got a property right in you now, you can't buy things and pay debts. You can only purchase things that you control and discharge the debt with other debt because you're not a free person. That's why that whole system changed like that. Okay, And here we're talking about, just so you, you know, we are talking about contracts. But it's a contract you're not familiar with because it comes exclusively from the feudal system. And it was entered into, if somebody voluntarily entered into servitude, you went through an oath called an oath of fealty. You can go find it and look it up. There's, a, there's an example of it in Monty Python's Holy Grail. There's an actual oath of fealty in that movie, okay? And this is in a person volunteers into servitude. They would kneel in front of the Lord of the manor on their knees, both knees, very important. The Lord of the manor would stand over them. It would be surrounded by all the other serfs as witnesses, and you would put your hand on your head as if you were praying, the Lord of the manor would put his hands over yours, and you would swear an oath to pledge him your body as property and all your worldly goods. You pledged your body as property, and because you're now an object of his property rights, you can't own other property. You can control it, but you can't own it. That's why you'd pledge your worldly goods to him also. Okay, property can't own property. All right, so that was a contract. It was witnessed by the other serfs, and then after you're in the condition and you have children, they're born into the same condition. It is a silent contract that runs generationally. Now, the good part for us is we know and understand this. And even if it was your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather that originally went into the condition, you, seven generations later, can volunteer out. That's what we're doing. Hey, Roger? Yes. Uh, an example of this, I read the book White Cargo about white slavery in the United States. Oh, yeah, horrible. And, and they were talking about indentured servants. And they, they, the point they made was that many times the indentured servants would not leave the master because if, particularly in the case of a female, if she had had children while she was an indentured servant, the if children. she left, the children were not hers. They belonged to the That's master. That's right. That's perfect. And that was in that book? Yes, it was. I've never heard that differentiation before, but, man, it makes perfect sense. Well, I mean, when you said that about all their property, I said – that's exactly what they talked about in that book. And as a result, even though a woman had had served her indentured servant time, she would normally not leave because if she'd had children, she wouldn't leave her children. Children were the property of the, the bondholder. Okay, well, the feudal system is different from the indentured servitude then. And that's very interesting, okay, because uh, there's a fine point there. Now, the other thing, something came, came to me just last week. We were talking about this, 
And Brent, I think Brent was on Friday talking about this. And this is something I never realized. In the old books that we studied, Pollock and Maitland and Cook and those guys, some of this is referenced in my book, okay? Um, they call the feudal system in England the English variety of slavery. They use that exact term, the English variety of slavery. Now, what differentiated, Pat, you got a little bit of ground here, what differentiated the English variety of slavery from the European continental variety of slavery? You got any idea? It, well, yeah, the only, uh, no, I'm, I'd be guessing. Okay, well, let me throw this out there and see if you can come, if this helps you. English has a doctrine called the free soil doctrine that there are no slaves in England. Remember, there's some cases about when a guy brought his black slave over to England, the slave hit England and took off, said, I'm free. And they and he wasn't a slave anymore. So England has a free soil doctrine of no slavery, but yet William the Conqueror brought in the feudal system from Europe. So what's the difference between those two? And I'll, I'll give you the answer and not stop toying with you. In the, in, in the European variety, they had involuntary servitude. And involuntary servitude was much akin to black slavery in our country. And because England had no slave as a free soil doctrine, even though William the Conqueror put this system into effect, there was only voluntary servitude. See the difference? Absolutely. Okay. That's an important – listen, I've never even thought about that till Friday when Brent men mentioned it, and I went, holy smokes. That's why they call it the English variety of servitude because you had to volunteer into it. And there was no one where it was involuntary because they had a free soil doctrine and there were no slaves in England still to this day, even though they all are under under this little trick. So anyway, I just thought that's another one of these minutia things clarifies my understanding and it's another way for me to impress upon you folks that I, I keep telling you this is a process, not an event. The event was when you crossed paths with the information. Everything else probably there till the day they put you in the ground is the process. Because even like me, 30 years later, something like that will come up and I go, ding, ding, ding. Wow, I never even realized that. What happens is as you become, get more knowledge, you become more sensitive to picking up on the little nuances of how they've hidden this. Yeah, very true. And you get to know them and their techniques. See, that's the beautiful part about this is it exposes them. When you file that affidavit, three things happen, best I can figure. You get your freedom, you expose them, and you expose layers of fraud simultaneously. Okay. So uh, that's why they recognize it, and I dare say that's why they're scared as hell of this, okay? And it's growing, folks. We're growing, okay? So that's great. Now, uh, Shauna, did we have anything else we could need to address for you, sweetie? No, I think I'm good for the moment. Okay, well, we always defer to the females around here, okay, because that's the way my mama taught me, and she'd be great, greatly upset if I didn't, Okay. So uh, the other thing we were discussing right before the start of the show was this um, number speculative on how many affidavits 
the State Department has received. Uh, I, I don't remember who was talking. Said they read somewhere two and a half million. Um, we've heard that. Yeah, I, had, I had heard that a couple of months ago between right. one and a half and two million. Right. And, uh, and, and the other, there's an unknown there is we don't know how effective submissions like David Strait's bunch are, you know, Sean, we had a situation here a couple of months ago where one of our guys in Orlando, Dave filed and like many of you, I want to know, I want to make sure they got me listed as a national. I want to make sure I got the right numbers on my card, all that stuff. Okay. And so he actually called the passport office and got a nice guy that called him back. And the guy pulls up his profile, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you're listed as a national. And then he pulls up his affidavit, and he starts reading the affidavit, the guy from the passport office. And he goes, wow, this is really good, <laughs> which I I took as a compliment. Wow, this is really good, you know. And he goes, you know, when we get these in, we don't have any problem filing one-page paperwork. It's those 20 and 30 page booklets that get shoved to the back of the desk. That's David Strait. That, okay, okay, I was going to ask is that David Strait's work? Yes, that, that yes. Big, oh. 32 pages or something. Okay. And then he said this, Shauna and audience, some of you have heard this story. He said, We're getting so many of these that they're having to hold special classes for the employees on how to process them correctly. Correctly being the key word. Um, so anyway, let's go into that. Um, and the story I'm going to relate to you, where I kind of extrapolate my own, in my mind off of this, came from when John and Glenn got prosecuted. Uh, before they, My teachers spent 15 and a half years in federal prison, uh, Shauna, just for teaching this stuff, just to get them off the street. Okay. And uh, during that trial, they were in Salt Lake, and uh, John being unbelievably adept at law and Glenn being an incredible writer, those two teamed up together. And so every time that they would something come up in the district court in Salt Lake City and they'd object and they'd appeal whatever point it was up to the Tenth Circuit, the appellate level in Denver, and so then it'd have to get on the docket, wait till the Tenth Circuit heard it, wait till the Tenth Circuit rendered a decision, and send it back to Salt Lake, and then the trial would resume. Well, it took them five years. It took them five years to convict him because of that, okay? And so uh, Glenn, after they got out of jail, and I, I got to talk to him a little more regular, and uh, he said, you know, Roger, one day the U.S. attorney, talking about our affidavit that we submitted back then, it's five pages, it's in the reproduced in the back of my book. You don't need to do five pages. We didn't know all this back then. And... Uh, he said the U.S. attorney stood up in open court and said the IRS received over 100,000 of those. Now, you can't really appreciate that number until you realize there's only 1,200 people that went through the course that filed them legitimately. So when I, I've been doing this for 12 years helping people, I have no idea who's filed this paperwork. Okay, they don't contact me. They just do it. A lot of them, but I really think if you take that little twelve hundred to a hundred thousand, and take twelve years of our teaching this and the word of mouth and everything else, I'd be shocked if it isn't over two and a half to three million. 
Okay. So, yeah, they're getting peppered with them. That's why we've gotten this stupid-ass correspondence from cuckoo Kachu Mrs. Robinson here lately. They're scared to death of this, folks. They got no rebuttal. They can't deny it. They just can stand there mute. And when they stand mute, they convict themselves because silence deems consent. Where'd Roger go? I'm here. I'm right here, aren't I? Are we communicating? Hello? There have been a couple bridge issues this morning. I got kicked off a couple times myself. Somebody muted everybody. I was muted. Okay, and I don't know where in that, what I just said, I don't know where that mute happened. So. morning, I got kicked off a couple times myself. Somebody Some, Somebody what? Paul, are you there? I got you, Roger. Okay, all right. Well, I don't know what's going on, but some, you know, it's very, this, uh, susceptible to people getting in and screwing with buttons and muting everybody and stuff like that. And I just ask y'all, please don't do that. Okay. So where else can we go this morning? It's really important people too. Can you hear me? We hear you, Murr. Yeah. Cause I got muted too, but <clears throat> Paul has these things hooked together. So we need to leave the fingers off the mute buttons, people. Just don't mess with the settings, folks. Just don't do it. I mean, hit the mute button, unhit the mute button, whatever. Don't go in there and start screwing around. Okay. I just posted that in the chat before we started. Hey, okay. Roger. Yes, Pat. Um, as we have heard numerous times, the importance and the meaning of words as referred to in Black's Law Dictionary, et cetera, like, person, uh, residence, oh uh, so on and so forth. Has anybody ever put together a list of, there's probably 15 or 20 words that are <laughs> extremely important that we understand the meaning of. Has anybody ever taken those and then go into the section of say IRS code, et cetera, and, and show you how they have manipulated those no, and, not, and use them? Not to my knowledge, but you hit on a couple of key ones. Of all, you know, there's some real key ones. Citizen of the United States, person, resident. Those are key to understand what, how they do these things. Shauna, are you still with us, sweetie? I lost there for a second, but I'm back. Okay, well, let me explain to you what they're doing here, okay? It's called equivocation. Okay, if you, you can go look that word up. You know, when you say someone is equivocating, you know, vacillating between two different options on a decision, well, that's kind of the principle they use here, but they always use their approach in a very specific manner, and that is attaching a definition that's 180-degree opposite to whatever it is they're trying to change, okay? So, in other words, we could take this process and I could present it to you reverse, and I could say, Sean, are you a citizen of the United States or are you a citizen of the United States of America? And you, if you were an average person, would think those are the same thing, wouldn't you? Yes. No, they're not. They're 100% opposite. Citizen of the United States is a slave. Citizen of the United States is a free man. Of, of America is a free man. Okay? 
So we get into all these words, and this is, you know how you notice everything is upside down? The Patriot Act is the against the Patriot Act and all that kind of stuff? Well, this is, the, this is what they're using, all right, is this opposite definitions thing. And they're, what they're doing is they're implanting the opposite definition into your subconscious and conditioning you to it. And now your subconscious controls 90% of your day. Your consciousness is only 10%. So now when these words come up, your subconscious rules, and that's the the definition your mind goes to, even though a bit of your consciousness may be a little quizzily about it, you know. But they control you through your subconscious, all right, with this opposite definition of words. You can go back biblically and look at it in James 1.8 in the New Testament, and it says a double-minded man is uncertain in all of his ways. It doesn't say partly. It doesn't. Okay. I've heard uncertain, Burr. Either one, okay? We're talking concepts here. So a double-minded man is uncertain in all of his ways. It doesn't say part it doesn't say some it says all and so when you bite on these opposite definitions they've made you unstable this is equivocation with 180 degree opposite definition so here's the technique for you when you come across these words you go back into your subconscious and you change that definition to the correct one You're untying a knot they've created in your mind, and every time that you do that, you get a little slice of consciousness back. And pretty soon, you get to where your conscious and your subconscious are working together in tandem. And as Dr. Bruce Lipton said on Joyce Riley so many years ago when they were talking about this, he said, when your subconscious and your conscious are working together, it is empowering. And you see, that's what this information does. It re-empowers you. You've moved back over under God's laws and constitutional protections. And as you learn this information and get those knots untied, you go through a re-empowerment process. Well, there's a bunch of people on here that have been in, been through it. Okay, because now you've been endowed with the rights of the creator meant for you to have at birth. And now you're growing in that instead of growing into being an intimidated slave that's been tricked into slavery. Does that make sense? It does. Evil inverts everything. Yep. And that's what they're doing is they're assigning these opposite definitions to words here. I'm going to give it to you from Alice in Wonderland. Okay. When was when first time you got exposed you, to Alice in Wonderland? Sean? For that. Do what? Swear. I, swear. The equivocation of the word swear. I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And then now it's used as you're cussing. You're using profane language. Okay. Well, they, they've done this with so many words, probably some I've never even stumbled on yet. But let me show you the origins of this, Shauna. When was the first time you got exposed to Alice in Wonderland or... The original name of that book, Through the Looking Glass. Looking Glass. Very young, yeah. Mirror, Opposites. Yeah. Okay, here's another story, and I'll launch in on this. Uh, Back in the 70s, the Rothschilds had a big costume ball. You go put it in a search engine, come up with it, and uh, there's a number of articles on it, some pictures of the costumes they wore and all that kind of stuff. But in one of the articles in the first paragraph, it said, 
Lady Rothschild was so clever that when she sent out the invitations, she wrote them backwards so you'd have to look at them in a mirror to read them. Opposites. Everything's opposites. Okay. Their whole game their, their whole game plan is written on this right here. All right. So Alice in Wonderland, here's a dialogue between Humpty Dumpty and Alice. When I use a word, Humpty Dumpty said in a rather scornful tone, it means exactly what I say it means. No more, no less. But the question is, said Alice, how can you make a word mean so many different things? The question is, said Humpty Dumpty, who's to be master? That's all. That's right out of Alice in Wonderland. Wow. Okay, now here's another quote from Alice at the start of it. She's being tutored by her tutor on a little grassy field, and she daydreams off like students do, and she ends up on a, a limb of a big tree that's parallel to the ground close to where she's being taught, and she's up there on the limb with her cat, okay? And she goes, if I had a world of my own, everything would be what it is because everything would be what it isn't, and then what it is, it wouldn't be, you see? Yeah. Opposites. Everything's based on this. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, you'll go through disgusting, you'll go through mad, you'll go through angry, you'll go through depressed, you go through this, like, cycle, okay? But what this information and the spiritual connection that we try and make with people does is it levels out the, that roller coaster of emotions for you. I mean, are these people even human? I mean, well, that's a, now that's a damn good question. And there's a bunch I of mean, people. No creation of man would be, I mean, no creation of God would behave this way. It's well, that's awful. why a lot of people are speculating that they're the remnants of the Nephilim. Reptiles. Nephilim, you know, fallen angels. What, yeah. Okay, so I don't know. I just know they don't think like us. And their whole uh, uh, Talmudic book, which where does that go back to? Something I mentioned to you earlier, the Babylonian Merchant Code, because all this came from Babylon. I mean, there's no way a human could do what these people do to children. I mean, it's, nope. just, it's, nope. it's just not possible. Well, it could it could be if they considered you to be a calf out in the backyard instead of a human, and that's their viewpoint. They uh, say they do, stuff, they do stuff nobody would do to a calf. This is demon possession. There's no doubt. I mean, I totally agree. Okay, that's who our enemy is, but their whole deal's based on lies and fraud, and it's been discovered. So Blood our libel. deal is to learn this information to be able to help explain it to others and spread it, to be able to defend your position should you be challenged. you got to know the information if you're going to be a belligerent claimant. And that so after this whole damn Titanic sinks, we can rebuild this thing with some solid foundations where we know the loopholes they use to accomplish their evil deeds. And how do you protect your freedom? The only way you can protect your freedom is to help you protect yours. Somebody else protect theirs. 
Okay. And we, we're at this point, we're a, a, a small group of pretty educated, strong individuals. As we grow, we'll become a formidable group of really strong individuals. And that's why they're so scared of this. See, now we don't have to go to their courts. We get enough people and get a little organization. We can go have our own common law grand juries. We can have our own common law courts. We can have our own judgments based on constitutional principles instead of going into their corrupt federal courts. But what's to stop them from coming and arresting or taking well, one of that, you know, well, into okay, their system? Okay. Well, there's an old saying in our movement, make a tyrant act like a tyrant. Because if they do that, then this gets exposed. Jurisdictional authority. Okay. See, they, these people have got a lot of money and a lot of influence, and they don't, they've don't. they gotten a lot of power through this little mechanism of being a, a, us being an object of their property rights. That's where their pro, all their power comes from. That's they how, own the system. Well, they, they do, okay, it, because it's in bankruptcy, and they control it with all the key people, and the key people they've put in the administrative state as it's grown up. We didn't have an administrative state for the bankruptcy. It was only after when these administrative agencies started. You say you're in the CFR all the time. Go to the mm-hmm. front. Go to the, what? What? What uh, title are you guys? What? What title is VA stuff under? You know, like what? What CFR? Twenty six CFRs, IRS. What's VA? Sean, are you with me on this? Yeah. What I'm t- 30. Yeah, it's 38. Okay, so you're in 38 CFR all the time, right? Yeah. Go to the front page, and just like I read you the IRS jurisdictional statement, they'll have a jurisdictional statement on the front page of 38, too. Guess what it is? Mm. Residence. 26 is the only one out of the 50 that have both statuses in there. For one, I think because they use this loophole themselves to get out of taxes. Ha uh-huh. ha. Okay, that makes. I got you. And yeah. and also because those two sections, eight seventy one B and eight seventy seven B, are both constitutional taxes, and they had to put it in there because of that. So twenty six is the only one with both statuses in there. All the other forty nine are residents. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So once you place this affidavit, you're removing yourself completely from under the administrative state with the exception of two constitutional obscure tax clauses in 26. None of the other 600-plus agencies have any jurisdiction over you. See, this is their power. And the other side of the equation here is they take, because they've got an object of your property rights, they collateralize your future income and attach your birth certificate to the bonds that run the country. And your income tax is to extract your future labor to pay the bondholders their coupon payments. So this is the total of their power, is having you in this condition so they can build a state, administrative state, to make man-made, unelected bureaucratic laws that they can enforce on you, and so they can collateralize your future income, and there's the whole basis of the world reserve currency that runs the world. This little trick right here runs the world. 
This is the beast system of revelations, mystery Babylon, that my conclusions, okay? And so if you go back in and start noodling on that, mystery Babylon is referred to quite a bit in the Bible. Well, okay, well, we know Babylon. If you go to uh, uh, the concordance and look under Babylon, Strong's concordance, it says Babylon was confusion. So we got confusion out there? Sure. Mystery, though. What's the mystery that they're assigning you under this obscure feudal system, a condition at birth, and assigning all these opposite definitions to words where people don't know what they're saying? Is that the mystery? Is this mystery Babylon that adds to the confusion? Makes sense in my mind. Now, this is the whole world system, too. Just a second, Paul. I'll I'll go to you. This is the whole world system, too, because in every country, with the exception of a couple, you're assigned a political status at birth that creates the condition in all these other countries, too. This is the beast system of revelation. Yes, Paul. Uh, yeah, Joe in the conference room had a, a comment a few minutes ago. Okay. So when you wrap up right. with her, well, okay. has, uh, well, listen, all right, well, that's fine. I think we got Shauna covered at this point. You've probably given her a drink of water out of a fire hydrant this morning. What's Joe got to say? Well, it's just a comment. So I wanted to make that you kind of covered after afterwards said uh seems like everything that they're doing mirrors the Alice in Wonderland deal with regard to the perverts and the, everybody else. Oh, uh, let me I, tell I, you. I think one of them. They executed one of them the other day. Did they? There's another great line in, later on in Alice when the Red Queen is playing the croquet match through the hedges and all that. And she goes, sentence now, verdict later. <laughs> Man, are they doing sentence now, verdict later. <laughs> oh, it's a, it, well, you can remove yourself from it. Don't go in there and fight it. We're, we're told not to go fight it. We're told to come out of her. My people come out of her. And this is one of the ways you come out of her right here. You come out of her politically by filing this paperwork. And they recognize it, and they've been recognizing it for at least 13, 14 years. Probably more, but to my knowledge. Because I did this back in 2007, Shauna. Okay. So I knew all the rest of this stuff, see, because I'd been steeped with it in John and Glenn's tax. They they were tax specialists. They specialized in the tax stuff. And after I went into court against the IRS there in Atlanta and came out bloodied and bruised, I said, shit, there's got to be a better way to do this. Okay. And that's why we're here today. All right. Is it even possible to take them out? <laughs> is it? Well, yes, through exposure. See, because what we do is we re- render them impotent. This goes back to make a tyrant act like a tyrant. See, when you file this paperwork, it's putting them in checkmate because this is their system. They've built everything on it. They've got to recognize it. And if they don't recognize it and come after people, as you were mentioning earlier, then they're open tyrants, aren't they? So this is an either-or for them. You either recognize it and abide by your rules, or else you're going to show us your open tyrants, and we'll just gang up and come hunt you down and hang your asses. Okay, which is what needs to happen. 
Okay. Agre- agreed. Yes. And 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 I like the girl. I got a Canadian gal down here, uh, and her husband. And we were talking about this at lunch one day, and she said, "No, you don't just hang them. This is what you do: you hang their family in front of them, and then you hang them, and you send a message to everybody, and you get rid of the bloodline." The Israelis and the cartels do that. Yep. As 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 harsh as that seems, I, I, they they've earned it. I mean, they've earned it. Okay, so Shauna, you got any other things we can discuss, or does somebody else have some stuff to talk about this morning? I'm good. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, welcome. Bienvenidos, as we say in Ecuador. Bienvenidos, Shauna, and please feel free to join us. Okay. We got five years of archives on Castbox. You can go back and and uh, just listen to your little heart's content. Okay. Good morning, Roger. This is Caroline. Hey, Caroline. Here's another new gal. Yeah. Um, speaking on the open tyrants. Did you are you aware of that? Kevin McCarthy was shot down three times yesterday as speaker. Yet. He put all of his stuff in, in the speaker's office, correct. and he's basically squatting in the office. So he is an open tyrant. Yes, he is, and uh, yeah, I'm. I've kind of followed that. They're talking about it on Infowars a lot. And this morning, I was listening to Owen, uh, not Owen, uh, Harrison Smith, right before we went on the air, talking about it. And uh, yeah, very interesting. And I can't understand why Trump would endorse him and why Marjorie Taylor Greene would endorse McCarthy. I don't understand that. It may be a valid reason. But hopefully, well, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love I say that they, I always say that they, um, they turned into a vampire. You know what I mean? They became Dracula. That's right. what happens to them. The best of them, it happens I to. I can't even imagine that happening to Marjorie Taylor Greene, so I don't know. Well, it has. Well, we'll see, um, and I, uh, maybe the reasons will come out. But I'd like to see Jim Jordan get get drafted into that condition. I like Jim Jordan. Yes, sir. Um, also, I wanted to just make the point that, you know, once somebody takes – What's possession? Nine tenths of the law, you know. Yep, yep. Once somebody takes over a seat, like how are they going to evict him out of that? It'll be interesting to watch. I'm calling it out, and I want to say one other thing, and then I'll let you go. I um have uh, passed this on worldwide, and hopes of um getting some more exposure on this platform. Okay, well let, let me give you a little tidbit here. If you're throwing this out worldwide. Because I get these questions all the time from people in other countries that hear my my presentation, you know. I'm in Belgium. What do we do? I'm in England. What do we do? I'm in Canada. I'm in Australia. I'm in New Zealand. Hell, I've had a whole bunch of them, okay? The only thing that I know to steer people to, Caroline, and this is interesting because it delves into our stuff a little too. There's a fella in Scotland named John Smith. Okay, and he came up with an approach with a common law birth certificate, and it appeared to work. All right, he had a gal who was about to get her house foreclosed on. And they went. This is a secondhand story I'm hearing, and he told this to Paul, not our Paul here, but Paul English, our friend that set all this stuff up, and uh, who lives over on the south coast of England. And uh, he told Paul, I took this into a foreclosure case and presented the common law birth certificate to the judge. 
The judge stood up, took off his robe, said, I have no authority over this, and walked out of the room. Okay? He's had some other successes also. So uh, his website is commonlawcourt.com, commonlawcourt.com. And if you want to go to the links, if you're telling your people to look into this, he did an interview with David Icke that I'm pretty sure you can find on David Icke's site also. But here's a caveat. He's got such a heavy Scottish brogue that even Paul English couldn't even hardly understand him. Okay, but evidently, as I've thought about this, I've never spoken with him. I've never been to his website. I know he says people told me on his website he talks about admiralty law and stuff. So he there's some things he hadn't grasped yet. Okay, but what I think is happening with the successes is that he's rebutting the presumption. And in those other countries, they don't have two clear cut political status is like we do state citizen citizen federal citizen and so what i think is going on there when somebody does one of these common law birth certificates and presents it they're rebutting the presumption that the birth certificate echoes this fraud of assigning a political status at birth i think that's what's happening Okay, but we've never had anybody really carry the ball and follow through with it. The other question I get from those people is, if I do this, who do I present it to? And I, I've always told them, I would first thing I'd investigate is who's in charge of issuing passports in your country, because I have a feeling it's the. I know these guys well enough. When they get something that works, they duplicate it all over the place. And I'll bet you in those other countries, the person to present this to is whoever controls the issuance of passports. Because hey, that is your legal personality. They've got to represent your correct legal personality in a passport under Vitell's Law of Nations to present you properly to other nations. Yeah, who was that, Anthony or Joe or somebody? No, nah, it's Joe. Hey, Joe. So uh, I've been talking to a guy who lives in France. Right. Uh, very interesting guy. He, uh, him and his wife, like a few years back, were just kind of browsing through some websites and they happened to go on to Dun and Bradstreet and they found out that the, the country of France is a registered business in the district of Columbia. Oh yeah. And they said, and they said, well, that's interesting. So they started doing things as if they were in the district of Columbia or operating within the United States. And apparently all the U S codes function in France and the, the, the French government is legally bound to those codes as well as all the forms that we would use here, like IRS forms or any other forms that we use. They use them as well. Now, I've I've seen from these guys in Australia that were doing this, the one prominent guy, I can't remember his name, that had a few videos out, they found the same thing, Joe. Australia was also under Dun & Bradstreet in D.C., and this has some sort of, I'm not sure how they're using it or how it's structured, but obviously it's tied into the bond and stock market. I would, I, I would assume so, and that's probably what the New World Order is. <laughs> 
But anyway, for, for, for Caroline, if you're talking worldwide and people ask you, tell them to look into that for their own individual countries. I think there might be an answer there, okay? Hey, Roger. Was that common law court.com? Roger. Yeah, common law. Hold on, hold on. Common law. Yeah, Pat. Where's he at? Where's he at? Thank you. Common law court.com. Was that TP? Yeah, I was just going to make a statement that Jim Jordan also voted for McCarthy. Yeah, Jim Jordan doesn't want that position, but they're trying to draft him into it. I saw Lowe and uh, uh, Bobert uh, interviewed this morning. Boy, you can see why they wanted to get her out of that seat, can't you, Caroline? Absolutely. She she's a good gal. Yeah, she's a she good is. gal. I agree with that. Yep. And he didn't help her. He didn't help her get her elected. <laughs> no, and that's what she said. No, the, in the yeah. interview, she was confronted with that and said, "Well, the Republicans used m- money in your runoff." She said, "Oh no, they did not." <laughs> okay, she corrected him right on the spot. All right. And the other guy that's carrying the banner here is from the Florida Panhandle. Unfortunately, he wouldn't be my representative. He'd be adjacent to us over there in uh, Destin, Pensacola, is Matt Gates, who's doing a, a, a whale of a job up there. Okay. Well, they're about to let 10 million, uh, 10 million uh, more illegals, what do they call it, amnesty? Have you heard that, Roger? Well, no, I, I, the hell they're pouring over the damn border by the thousands every day, Wahib. Uh, so, where, okay, where, where, okay, where is, we, since there's, we're having drought, we have water and sanitation issues, and uh, where are they going to get, where does, where do I go to get all this free food and free housing? And free clothes and free dental care. I don't know. You need to you need to contact your governor, Gavin Newsom, out there and ask him. Get a job. I know how to do it. <laughs> how do you do it, Pat? You, you cross the Mexican border and you burn your passport and then you come back across the Rio Grande with uh, the mule. <laughs> it's uh, the whole thing is just. I mean, it's to the point of ridiculousness, really. Okay, who else? TP, where you, you said your piece. Who was trying to say something there a minute ago? Hello? Yeah. You got your mic on? If, you if you were to go across the border and come back without your passport, you would be an illegal alien uh, and a 14th Amendment citizen. Well, no, you're not coming across. You're not a 14th Amendment citizen as an illegal alien. <laughs> okay, sorry. Those well, two are uh, uh, those two are mutually exclusive. <coughs> I thought it was Barney. Barney. You say it oh, hold Good on. Morning. Happy New Year. Yes, it is. Wahib, could you put your mute on, please? Oh, sorry buddy? about that. I was while talking to the I know you were. So, okay. Somebody else had something to say there a minute ago. You got something to bring forward that we can talk about? I just said, uh, Jeffrey said, get a job. That was the other voice you heard. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) You got any other new students on here this morning? There were some people that were marginalized yesterday because of a technical glitch and couldn't get questions or comments. And Anybody in that condition? I think we got that straightened out now. Hey, Roger, two days ago you had... All right, so, go ahead. 
Go ahead. You're you're a new guy. Hello. Hello. Talk right in the microphone. Yeah, about flying for my son that was born in the Philippines. And I want to make sure that he's going to be a- Okay. All right. Well, hold on. Hold on. You got a real terrible connection. So let's start again. Please. Where's all the ambient noise coming from? Please. Please, folks. We got a very sensitive platform. We have important questions. When we get interruptions and peripheral noise like that, it distracts for everybody. Please. Now, who was I talking to that had the question about the son born in the Philippines? Hey, this is Victor. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, Victor. How you doing? Your first time we've spoken, I think, right? It sure is. Where are you from? <clears throat> where, where are you hang out there in the States? What's your area? Uh, Washington State. Ooh, I'm sorry. Sunny side. Okay. On the on the east side. Well, you're over in the conservative part. Around Spokane? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, southwest okay. of Spokane. Okay, well, that's a good part of the state. It's mighty pretty. I saw some pictures of Spokane the other day on Sunday I'd never seen before. The guy I work with on Sundays is from Spokane up there. So uh, you have a question about your son being born in the Philippines. Yeah, we're going to have a an appointment tomorrow morning at the consulate in Cebu to do the Child, child born abroad. Okay. Born, whatever. Is is mom Filipino? But, but along with that, yes, she is. Okay. So uh, she lives here. She's never left. She's never doesn't, left the country. Doesn't make any difference. And I met her here. Doesn't make any difference as long as one parent's a citizen of the United States. That transfers to your child. That's what you're going to the embassy. Exactly. But to register that. Yeah, we're doing the. We're doing the uh, the child born abroad form first, right? I can't remember the exact name of it, but right. I'm also I've also filled out the passport application, and I want to know how I can make sure that he's going to be a national and not a citizen. Okay, well, wait. How old is the child? Obviously, he's pretty young, right? Yeah, three years old. Okay. Well, you can at any time, you can, because the wife, has your has your wife naturalized? No, she's never left the country. Does she want to naturalize? She's got access to be a citizen of the United States. Now she's married to you. Yeah, we're working on it. We're, we've already went through the most of the process. This okay. is just one of the steps in getting right. the immigration done. Okay. Well, the, the reason I'm asking that is because if she was a citizen, and maybe it might bear even if she's not. I'm not sure. Some of these are gray areas. Okay. But you, as the father and a citizen of the United States, can do an affidavit for your child and submit it that he's a national. Now, if you're fairly new around here, Victor. I'm about four months in listening to you. Okay. Found you on RBN. Okay. Oh, good. When I was over there on Sundays. Okay. Uh, have, have you heard us talk about this uh, recent example with uh, Sarah, with her rebellious daughter in Colorado? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. What I'd suggest you do, because this has a direct bearing on what you're asking here. Okay. 
Sarah from uh, from Louisiana, they had an experience here recently in Colorado where CPS was trying to abduct their rebellious teenage daughter. They had written out an affidavit for her. And see, the important thing is as a minor child, with the parents being nationals, as a minor child, the child is their property. And so they had written, and they don't have to sign the affidavit even though they might be rebellious, quote, unquote. So they'd done that. They get out in Colorado and on a leg of a trip, and the, she runs away, tells the neighbors she's taken an overdose of Tylenol. They call the cops, and the cops turn her over to the children's hospital there in the Denver area. Thornton, I think, was the name of the suburb. And so uh, the cops are talking to the parents through the middle of the night. They've got your daughter, this, that, and the other. The next morning, they go over there, and they, Sarah, they came in. The Russian psychiatrist, I'll just try and paraphrase the story. Russian psychiatrist comes in the room and says, well, I've already got all these papers signed. I've had a, 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 a meeting with Sean at 7 this morning, and she signed all these documents. Well, she can't sign as a minor, except now in California and Colorado, they've gotten around that. Okay, So the uh, Sarah says, well, let me talk to the administrator of the hospital because you're out of bounds. They go into a meeting with three attorneys and the administrator yeah. and, the, and the Russian psychiatrist and they, she presents them with the affidavit from them, the parents, and for the daughter. They said, leave the room. They come out in five minutes and said, you're free to leave. Actually, I do remember you talking about that. Okay, so you can listen to that. Go on to CastBox for anybody in the audience. Go over where the archives are, castbox.fm, and go to December the 4th. It's a Sunday, and I uploaded that 16-minute segment from the show where Sarah told this story, not me. Okay, and I'd advise you to go listen to it. All right. But once you file that for your child, the child's your property and is a national. Now, when they get to be 18, if you've raised them correctly, they'll continue in that status after they're 18. If they want to revert back, it's their choice. Absolutely. So tomorrow morning is the child birth abroad form that okay. yeah, thing that we're doing. Okay. Well, that's going to set him up for you to change. Cause once, you're, sure. once you're a citizen of the United States, you can easily be a national just with this paperwork. But they got to be a citizen of the United States first. That's why your wife's got to naturalize. If she wants to do this, she can do it. Okay. But you got to get into all here, 14th Amendment, all persons born or naturalized. Okay. So there it is right there. Well, she's a Filipino citizen, never left the country of the Philippines. It doesn't make any difference. She's married to an American. She can access citizen of the United States now, but she's got to go through the naturalization process. Once she goes through that process, now she can be a national, even though she's never left the Philippines. Interesting. See, that's the, that's the beauty of all this is it opens freedom up to nationalities from all over the world. Okay. Okay. So anyway, you can go noodle on that. Somebody else is trying to say something. Let me finish up with Victor here. Victor, anything else you had? Nope. I appreciate it much. I bought 
Mr. Books. I haven't read one of them yet because I'm lazy, but okay, okay. I'm on it, and yeah. I love CastBox. It's, Thanks uh, a lot. You're very welcome. Uh, Mark, Mark posted in the chat room uh, Sarah's uh, story. Okay, so it's in the chat room there. And maybe after show's over, if we probably don't have enough time during the show, we can run it in here even. Worth here. I like to hear it over and over myself. It's pretty, uh, you know, people want it. Where are your successes? Well, boy, this is one of them right there. It's once you get a kid in the clutches of CPS, it's virtually impossible to get them out otherwise. This sprung her right at the hospital. Okay. So do what, Paul? It's I, like I'm in a similar situation as oh, well, Victor. Okay. So I have right, a newborn well, that I would like okay. to. Okay. All right. Well, hold on. Hold on. Whoever. What's your name? Paul. Paul. Hold on a second. Let me get the other Paul. Paul, what were you trying to say? Paul Beaner? Uh, I, if, you, if you would indulge me for just a moment, um, I spent a lot of time muting people. Um, I don't think they understand that they can unmute and mute themselves by pressing star six. Press star six on your keypad, and that will mute or unmute your line. If you just sit there breathing into your phone while you're unmuted, I will mute you. We're going to won't be able to unmute after that point. We're going to. So, you can't unmute after you mute them. After I mute them, they're muted. They're muted. Okay, so folks, you know, please. So we we got an open forum here. It's very unique. There can be multitudes of people on here, and all of you have to be responsible. You're here to learn about being free. Being free encompasses personal responsibility. This situation applies to you. Okay? Okay. I think it's pretty uh, pretty exemplary how well PA so many people are, though. This is this is to be congratulated. Well, and I also want to say, also want to say it shows I'm not muted on the board, but... I am muted on my keyboard. It's a hot key, so please don't mute me on the board. Thank you. Okay, Murr. Now, Paul, we were talking to Paul, our new Paul here, about a newborn child. Yeah, I'm in a similar situation as Victor, um, although both me and the mother are here in the U.S. We're working on our U.S. national status. Right. We're getting that corrected. And I've heard of filing the affidavit for the child. But I'm also hearing about filing a baby deed. Do you recommend doing that as well? I've never even heard of a baby deed. Okay. I, I'm with the Florida Assembly, and they recommend it. They have a packet okay. right. of this forms. Is, uh, uh, this is Anna Von Wright stuff? Um, Possibly. Like I said, I'm very new. Well, when you when you say the word assembly, that nails it to me in my mind, Anna Von Wright's. Um, I would disregard yep. anything that her or David Strait are teaching, in all honesty. And I, Just you say you're simple. relatively new, try and unlearn as much as you've learned over there. And let's get you started <laughs> on the right foundation correctly, okay? Okay. Roger you. uses the keep it simple, the KISS principle. Yep. And uh, I don't know. I've never heard of a baby deed before. Is this like David Strait's law stands for land, air, and water? I mean, these people come up with stuff that's just, I have no idea where they get it unless they just conjure it up and they're in a dream somewhere. Okay. Yeah, with David Strait, I know there's things for a fact that 
he is just outright lying about. And an example would be the MCO for your vehicle. He claims that you can call the dealership, get your MCO, proof of ownership, and that's simply not true. They turn the manufacturer's statement of origin over to the state when they acquire the tag, for God's sakes. Yeah, that's where it lives. You're absolutely right. Okay. Actually, I just found out today that after five years, the state destroys the certificates of origin. Yeah, well, there you go. There's another aspect to this. So, Paul, I was still let me able ask you, to obtain Paul, mine after oh. um, almost ten years. Okay, you now can, you can maintain, you can obtain it from the state. Okay, well, uh, Paul, uh, let me ask you a question. Where in Florida are you? Tampa. Okay, you're down South Florida. I'm from Panama City. Is the reason I ask. We got a bunch of we got a pretty good group of folks down in your area in Tampa. They don't get together or anything but i can put you in touch with a bunch of them there we got some real good solid students in that area okay i appreciate that and one up the coast a little bit in tarpon springs theo our buddy that owns a greek restaurant up there so there's some folks down in your area all right what you need to do for me is you need to send me an email at radio ranch no space radio ranch at mail m-a-i-l dot com and just go Paul in Tampa, and I'll plug you into those folks down there, okay? And that was uh, mail.com? Yes, not Gmail, just mail, M-A-I-L, okay? Okay, thank you. So, yeah, you weren't in that district where um, DeSantos kicked the prosecutor out, were you? Uh, I'm not familiar with that. DeSantis, you had one of these rogue uh, Judge Soros uh, uh, state prosecutors down there. He said he wasn't going to enforce the law, and DeSantis publicly kicked him out of the position a couple of months ago. It was in what? Tampa's what? Mainly Hillsboro. It is okay. I think it was the Hillsboro County guy. Oh, interesting. Okay. So we'll get you plugged in, go back and start doing your homework, listen to the interviews on the webpage, get the basics, like I instructed with Shauna, learn the conceptual stuff here, and then you'll have a real good grasp of it, and you can start digging into the minutia. But if you don't have a conceptual idea, you'll never be able to tell you, see, dig through the minutia and find out what's going on. So as everything is opposite, you got to approach everything opposites here. Instead of going through the minutia, you learn the concepts, then you do it. Okay. How'd you find us, Paul? Uh, a friend of mine shared the link with me. I'm not sure where he found it. Right. Well, you need to thank your friend profusely. Okay. <laughs> well, dude. You might take him out to dinner or something. Okay. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, you've hit the mother load. You and the other new folks here, we got the answer, okay? This is not pulled out of our rear ends. As I told Sean earlier, what we teach here is the result of over 100 years legal and historical research in three men's lives. And the, my law teacher was so solid in law because he studied it his whole life, not in law schools, but by going back to the old law books. Okay. Hey, Roger. Yes. Hi, Princess California. Hey, hey Princess. 
Uh, I just had, I wanted to get some clarification on, I think those two questions that you've been talking about um, when they ask, are you a citizen of the United States or are you a resident? And then you said there, uh, what the questions are really asking is number one, are you related to Negro slaves who were well, assigned? Well, yeah, well, let me, let, let me, let me revise that not related to, and as I was fumbling through and learning this myself on how to present it, are you in the same political status as? But what if the answer to that is, is there a, is yes. Does that change the, the scope of this or? Well, are, are, are you, cause see what they're doing now here is they're playing with this voluntary stuff. See, look, well, let's go back and approach this another way. Let's look at the 14th Amendment, okay? All persons born or naturalized in the United States, comma, is the first clause, right? Right. Okay, this is, pl- this is prong one of a two-prong legal test. Instead of saying, do you want to volunteer into servitude? They did it for you. They took care of the front part of the two-prong legal test with the fraud of the 14th Amendment and, on top of that, the fraud of the bankruptcy where they converted everybody in mass over to the condition as sureties for the debt. Okay? So that, that's everyone. The, every, the, the, the whole system was converted in mass on March the 9th, 1933. Everyone was switched over into the surety status of being a citizen of the United States and a property right. That's why they took the gold and issued the paper. Okay? Do I, do we need to go back to that? Let's look at that this way. All right? Instead of looking at it as a bankruptcy and the change of the money, if you will, from money to currency. All right? Let's look at this from a standpoint of property. All right. This is another word for Sean and the new folks. This is another one of these equivocated words. Okay. There's two levels that they're working at. This is another part of their equivocation. They're working at a colloquial level with words, and they're working at a highly technical legal level. So there's another equivocation. And let's go back and look at the word property. So, Property, if I was to say, Princess, that car, you paid it off last month. That's your property, right? <laughs> well, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, no, I'm talking about on the colloquial thing, see? Okay, and, so then the answer is yes. You'd answer yes, and we'd all know what we're talking about because this is the colloquial way we use that word. But yet it's got a highly technical legal definition, too, and that's what they're using. Unfortunately, we don't know that. See, so when we recognize that on the colloquial level, let's rephrase it on the legal level. So you're a free person, princess, and you paid off that car. So I guess you've got a property right in it, don't you? Right. So the car is a thing and the property is a right in and to the thing. We use the word property as an object, but in law, the object is a thing, and the property is your right in and to the thing. Mm, With me? Yeah, okay. Okay. So if we take that and apply it to the bankruptcy with that understanding and look at pre-1933, we used to use gold and silver as money, didn't we? Yes. Why? Why? Does it have value? 
Well, because we didn't have an object of someone's property right in us. We could buy things and pay for them with real money and own them because no one had a property right in us. Okay. After the bankruptcy, we started using paper that unknowns to us, we were the collateral for. So you use, and and it's a debt currency, isn't it? It's best on debt. And so you, with a property right on you in the, after the change, can't buy things and pay for them. You can buy things and discharge the debt with other debt. But because they have a property right on it, you can't pay for things and own them because they have a property right in you. You can discharge the debt for things that you purchase, and you can control the purchase, but you can't own it because someone's got a property right in you. Mm. You see the difference? Yeah, I, I do. Okay. It, it was just kind of... Um... It's so... I mean, listen, this is hair splitting. It's minutia. It's all of these different things. you got to know other stuff. And but that's just the way it is. And fortunately for us, we got the key to to know all this stuff to explain it to you and to move forward on it. So let me just ask then, Roger, with regard to coming up with those two questions, I know you're trying to rephrase. Oh, I'm them trying to get back to that. Okay, yeah, let's get back to oh, that. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, okay. Are you a citizen of the United States? What they're really asking you is because they performed prong one of the legal test. They stuck you in this, unbeknownst to you and your generations before you, into this condition of being a legal person. Now, this is where it comes into all this equivocation stuff. All persons born are naturalized. Are they talking about everybody? No, they're not. They're talking about all legal persons. What are legal persons? That's persons that get civil rights from the 14th Amendment and owe correlative duties to the 14th Amendment. So when it says all persons, it doesn't mean all persons. It means all legal persons. So they've done that by a fraudulent bankruptcy and converting everybody in at the same time back in the 30s, 100 years ago almost, and generationally that's followed, okay? So the first part of the legal test of the 14th Amendment, they took care of. So instead of you actively volunteering into it like they did in the feudal system, they volunteered you into it. You with me? Now, the second prong is that middle phrase, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Notice it doesn't say, all persons born or naturalized in the United States are subject to the jurisdiction thereof, do they? They say and. And if there's some that are and subject, I guess there's got to be some that are and not subject to, doesn't there? Yeah. Okay. So if you fit the two prongs, The finishing part of the 14th Amendment says, I'll just read it in total again, all persons born or naturalized in the United States, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, comma, are citizens of the United States and the state wherein they reside. There's your two questions. You see them? Yeah, so I get those. Okay, so now when they ask you those two questions, 
you're volunteering yourself into the second prong of the legal test and making yourself subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Hey, Roger. Yeah, Pat, let me just finish with this because it's important. I'll get right back to you. Okay. Okay. So you see what I'm trying to get across to you, Princess? The two questions qualify you and get your voluntary consent. They knew what they were doing before the Civil War was started because the Civil War was fought to get these two amendments in the Constitution so they could control the world with them 100 years later. They knew what they were doing. We didn't. So that's the two questions right at the end of the 14th Amendment, are citizens of the United States and the state wherein they reside. So, Princess, are you a citizen of the United States? What are they really asking you? Are you in the same condition as former black slaves who received federal citizenship and civil rights after the Civil War? That's what they're really asking you. And you go, not knowing, yes. Now, when they ask you the resident question, this goes back to the origins of the word resident and how they're using it legally when countries exchanged ambassadors. Okay, so what they're really asking you in that one is, are you a new federal citizen living in one of the several states who are seeking protection from the federal government as a new federal citizen against any potential actions against you from your state? Slick. Oh, these people are slick. The deeper you get into it, I just marvel at them. Okay, really. Wow, God bless you for having the, the fortitude to well, see it through. It's just, <laughs> damn, you know, I had a big, I'm like a Cajun. I got a big curious, you know, and I just, I knew how important this was. I, I just kept nagging me and nagging me and nagging me. John and Glenn were off chasing tax crap, and I'm going, that's that's not the way to win this. You got to go at what gives them the authority to do all that, and that's jurisdiction, and that's where we are today. Just a follow-up question. Thank you for clarifying that. With that second question, are you residing in a state requesting protection from the federal government against any actions of your state? Is that like referring an example of that would be what? Some protection from like court proceedings or it would, it, uh, no. being let, let, sued? Or? No. It, after the 14th Amendment, there was a lot of resentment against blacks all throughout the South. Okay. And they were the new federal citizens. And the state, if it came back and tried to mess with them, they've got federal protection because they're federal citizens. What does that bring into play? Protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection. There's your jurisdictional statement. Okay? See how all this stuff ties together. Okay? But if you don't know those basics, you can't take what you're looking at and tie it back. That's why you got to learn the information. Oh, I'm trying very well, desperately. It takes yeah. time. I know it doesn't happen overnight, okay? I mean, I've been messing with it for 30 years, okay? It's second nature to me, but it's because I've been in so in-depth with it for so long. It, you'll get right. there. You don't have to learn it as well as I do. You just have to learn and have command of the concepts. Right. Well, okay. thank you very much. For okay, your, uh, sweetie. You're welcome. Pat, what were you trying to add a minute ago? Well, I wanted to ask, you know, when citizens of the United States, what if that had said citizens of the United States of America? Well, they wouldn't ask you that because that's a national. 
See, back exactly. into before the 14th Amendment and the Civil War, for a 100 years, there was only one political status. From the Articles of Confederation uh, to 1868, there was only one political status. You were a state citizen, and the states were considered to be independent countries. So if you were a state citizen, we still had the United States of America, didn't we? Yes. So mm-hmm. United States of America is a national citizen, isn't it? Point taken. That's where they got that's where that's where they got the label. So yes, United States of America and national are synonymous. U.S. and federal. I had some guy wrote me an email just yesterday. He's go, well, I got my passport card back, and it should say national on there, and it only has USA. Well, I wrote him back said, well, isn't USA a national? U.S. Exactly. is federal. If U.S. is federal, USA is national, isn't it? Correct. Duh! So, who else has got something this morning? Good, good show today. I want to thank Paul and Victor and, and Shauna, the new students, for kind of instigating this discussion. We can't go over these basics enough. The Prince has been around here for a while. Here we go back. Boom, boom. There's the basics. There's the answer to your question. Roger. Roger. Yes. Oh, go ahead. No, that's another. Roger Sherry. Oh, it's Sherry? Charlie. Yes. How are you? I'm good. Is it Sherry or Charlie? It's Sherry. Sherry. Okay. Hey, Sherry. Yeah. Uh, you're in Ar- you're in Arkansas. Um, correct. Yeah. We had an after hours discussion the other day, and got to looking at our passports. And my old passport had numerous other pages that aren't in the new one as a national, and it has to do with medical, your vaccines abroad, and other things such as that. And I was just going to throw it out to the group if they have a national passport book. Is there comparing it to their old one? Have they come across the same thing? Well, they've made a lot of changes in the passport, especially since Wink and Blinken and Nod got in up there. Okay, so I don't know. But don't- okay, or if somebody has a newer one that didn't apply as a national. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I I don't put too much emphasis on the passport because what really matters is what's in possession of the secretary. But I can understand people's curiosity here. I don't I don't have so, an answer to your question right off the bat. What is somebody's going to say something? Roger, it's Marka. So with the passport, um, some of us are concerned about it. You know, making sure that we do it does show as a national, only because that's what we're going to be using when we're traveling. That's my concern is when we travel and we use it instead of a driver's license, you know, it needs to show. Well, my experience over all these years is internally they do things correctly. I know you don't trust them. I know they're untrustworthy. You're on solid ground. But internally in the bureaucracy, my experience, again, is that they do things correctly. That was buttressed with the conversation Dave in Orlando had with the passport office guy. We're getting so many of these that we're having to have special classes for employees to make sure they process them correctly. 
Yes, and then I heard someone say that they're adding national to an application or they're something. They're starting to pop up all over the place. Are you a citizen or a national? And right. Even on Wells Fargo uh, documents. Okay. Awesome. So, Roger, this is Mark in all caps. There's Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey. Um, I, I'm, I've tried to explain this, and, and maybe you can help me a little bit. But when people are trying to find proof that they're a national, they are the proof that they're a national. Amen. You are. You see, it's your decision. You're, it's not their right. decision or their tyrants. Right. So, right, and we can carry our affidavit with this too. Yes, I, thank you, Mark. I was going to say that exactly. You could you could have uh, your affidavit, uh, and it could be a fresh one. I mean, it doesn't have to be a copy of the one that you sent to the Secretary of State, but. Right. You can you can hand that with your passport to anybody who's you know wanting to identify you, and it, it's your responsibility. I mean, you are the one that makes yourself a national, not them. But right. your passport is just a way that if they run that information, it should show up as a national. But let's say it doesn't even show up as a national, I can still stand on the fact that I am a national, and I'm going to keep telling him that. That's correct, because it's your decision. I had an email from a guy again yesterday. Can you give me some Supreme Court cases where it says it's our free will to do this? Yeah. Well, I, there there are no court cases because it's so recognized. And I shot him back Vattel. Vattel's Law of Nations. Every man has the right of personal political self-determination. This is your choice. That's echoed in the U.N. Charter. It's your choice, not theirs. The minute you make up your mind you're a national, you're a national. All the paperwork is doing is confirming it with the guy you got to confirm it with. Another thing, Roger, I wanted to mention, um, I know a lot of people use American or state, state national. Please don't do that. I know, exactly. So that's what I say. We are just nationals. And in comparison to uh, the U.S. national, which is the American Samoan, they are under the no, federal, no, no, the hold federal on. system. I'm going to correct you, national. Merck. I'm going to correct you. This is fine point stuff here. If you go back to the Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality, it says specifically, according to the INA, all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. Right. There's the U.S., and, but only a few are nationals without being citizens. Those are the American Samoans. Correct. Okay, that's what I have. Okay. So American um, Samoa is a, an unincorporated territory in the federal system. They have to be U.S. nationals. They don't have a state. Right, and they're under the federal system. Correct. They're under the control of the and, U.S. But even a national is also a U.S. national, according to that document and that statement. So they're interchangeable. This is where they've used the American Samoans to try and cover this up. Now, when they want Correct. to specify American Samoan, what do they put? Non-citizen US. national. Right. Okay. Okay, it's just yeah, like the way so that confusing. it's so confusing. I understand the confusion. It's intentional. That's how they pulled this off. And that's where they're hiding it. You go into the into IRS publication 519. It says a national owes total allegiance to the U.S. Yeah. 
What's wrong with that statement? They're talking about American Samoans. A non-citizen national owes total allegiance to the U.S., but they drop the non-citizen off of there so they can fool you. Another thing I noticed, um, travelstate.gov has the INA quote on there with the definitions, and they're using the wrong code. It's almost the same. They're saying it's 101.21 and 101.22, but it's 11.01. Okay. It's the 8 U.S.C. 11.01. They're magicians. All they do, they're they're just like going to the county fair in the fall, and you got the little little bastard out there with the table and the felt on it with three walnut shells saying which one's the P under. That's what we're dealing with right now. Actually, Mirica, I, I can explain why they did that in that section. Because if you read the actual Immigration and Nationality Act, they're sectioned off uh, 101, 102, stuff like that. Uh-huh. When it was transferred into the U- U.S. Code, it was put under 1101. Okay. okay, that makes sense. Okay. Greetings, Roger. Hi, it's Charlie. Hey, I want to share with everyone, and Mirka, by the way, look at your inbox. Um, because I copied and pasted this, I came across one of the best definitions for fraud. And if you could indulge me here, I'd like to read it, and then if Marco wants to post it for everyone. Please. Where's it coming from? Charlie, where's it coming from? Yeah. What's your source? Um, I believe it was – I don't have the link here. I think it was Legal Dictionary. Okay. I I could double-check it. That's okay. Okay. I was just curious. Fraud is intentional misrepresentation of fact, whether by words or conduct, by false or misleading allegations, or by concealment of what should have been disclosed. Well, there's a, there's our, there's what we're hanging our hat on right there. I got right it, there, Charlie. Exactly. I'm going to post it in the chat right now. Okay. With knowledge of its falsity for the purpose of inducing, or I could say beguiling, Um, the other person to act in upon which the other person relies, resulting in injury or damage. You could say harm, okay? And, Mark, I'll try to find that link. I believe it is Legal Dictionary. It was was just um, uh, fortuitous that I came across that. Well, and that's why they've got to recognize the affidavit, because you're exposing their fraud. Absolutely. Okay, which I'm going to close this comment up with something that I know you didn't embrace from me, but, you know, I I still embrace it in the meantime until I'm proven otherwise. And it was that Brady versus United States case from 1970. That's that's a a Sheriff Max case. Wasn't it? No. Oh, okay. This is something different. This is the Brady Bill stuff you're talking about. No, this is prior to the Brady Bill, okay, 1970. Oh, really? The Brady Bill was in the late Yeah, 80s, it was in the, okay? was in the 90s. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. Right, not early 90s. Okay, so this particular case, the judge, was no, the judge was noted to make this statement, and I'm reading this because I just read to you about fraud. Waivers of constitutional rights not only must be voluntary, but must be knowing, intelligent acts done with sufficient awareness 
of the relevant circumstances and likely consequences. Right. Well, then, so I just want to dovetail well, both of those, the definition of fraud and this particular case. Well, and what's, if we were not there, go ahead. Sorry. What's the fraud of the two questions? Lack of full disclosure. They know damn well the two statuses are equal. They only ask you one side. They don't ask you, are you a citizen of the United States or a citizen of the United States of America? Or are you a citizen of the United States or a national? They don't ask you that. They're intentionally covering up the other equal status. It's fraud. So because of the lack of full disclosure, Roger, don't you think that we can pull those administrative people that are in the house off their seats because of that? I have no idea. I I just deal with getting people free, man. I don't know about all that other stuff. Well, Roger, can I say something? Can you see how? Can you see that guy? Can can you see how difficult? Can you see how difficult it is to help people get free? And you want me to tackle the House of Representatives? What? Why? Not you. We could though. We got to get our act together first. What, Wahib? Yeah, can that guy that talked about Annabon Rice and uh, uh, David Strait being agents for the CIA? That, no, he didn't can say. Wahib, he did not say that. He said their stuff was questionable. He didn't say they were agents. I have something on that. Wahib, you need to listen a little closer, my friend. What? But let me finish up with Wahib. Now I've corrected you. Come, what about Von Reitz and Straight? The the guy that read that about Anna Von Reitz and David Straight. What is his name? I can't remember the guy's name, but he read something that he found out about those two yesterday. Those two. You talking about yesterday? Yesterday. That was Dan. Dan read that to us, and I don't. I'm not familiar with the guy, the source on that. Okay, I just don't know who he is. I go to go to the Timothy Charles Holmes Seth dot com website and search for the name straight s-t-r-a-i-g-h-t there's very interesting reading you'll be busy for some time hey pat 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 you still with us pat you still with us yeah yeah i'm here can uh, you imagine that david straight would be rolling over in his grave to see this happening in his name yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. FYI, the guy that wrote the foreword to my book is not David Lester Strait. It's another David Strait who was an honest, great American. He, he, he I, I just, every time that comes up, it gives me chills. Honestly, this guy, this charlatan, all these years later, has got the same damn name. So, anyway. Sorry, I just wanted to pull Pat on that because he knew David. Okay. Yep. Great American, one of the finest men I ever knew. Just, an, just another. If I can insert something here. Yeah, Charlie. Um, why he? I'm not. I'm not attacking you. Um, you know, there's a lot of people have the patience of Job on this call, especially Roger. Okay, but go back to Castbox and listen to the show again. I yield. Yep. Yep. Okay. We're right at the hey, end. Hey, Roger. We're at the end of today, today's show. Yes. Who's, who's got that? Hey, uh, this is uh, Dave in Orlando. I just oh, yeah, a, there's a Dave. Quick, um, you heard us talking about you, did uh-huh. you? You heard us talking about you, did you? Yeah, my ears were ringing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to um, allay some 
fears and, you know, uh, questions about people getting their passport. Um, one of the things that the agent also said to me was that uh, they're trying to standardize the passport um, on the surface so that really no passport's going to be any different than any other. So you won't be able to tell by the numbers or anything else what it all means. Yep. Um, the information is, is in the barcode itself, but the barcode only works within their system. Right. So that's how they're able to tell, you know, whatever ranking you have, whatever right. stars, whatever, you. you know, security clearance yeah. and all of that. Let me so, tell you. Um, you know, for all of those that are looking for more information by looking at the passport and comparing it to pass, past, uh, passports, you're not really going to get anything. See, our people want to be differentiated, and these people want to get everybody conglomerated. They're not going to give you something different where you can go to all your neighbors and go, I'm different than you. Nah, 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 nah. They're not going to do that. Thanks, David, no, they for calling want to in. Everything is about hiding, 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 and, you know, everything. So they're going to give you a passport that looks pretty and it has some information, you don't know what it is, and it isn't until you get to, you know, some area where they have access to the system that they're going to be able to really tell what's going on. You know, when I've traveled a bit internationally, and when you come in and out of these countries, they take that passport book with that front page, and they run it down one of those slider things, and then a profile of you pops up, but you can't see it. Exactly. Okay. I got something interesting so, about that. I wish you people had quit being so damn anal about the passport. Better hurry up, quit Joe. Do it quick. Uh, uh, so a guy who, he's, he's a national, he went, he got put in handcuffs. for I don't know what he did. I don't know what was going on, but it was apparently like uh, he got pulled over for something, and he gave the cop a hard time, and uh, the cop put him in handcuffs and threw him in the back seat and then took his passport and ran it, and then uh, on the thing, on the screen, it came up, it said, the first thing it said is, do not arrest, do not detain, do not ticket, and the cop was like, oh, shit. Okay. And I'm had, to, and I had got, to uncover I got 